Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm here with Dr. Dave Barker, who's filling in for Stan Fowler. Uh, For those of you who've been asking, I should say that Stan is uh, recovering from his stroke slowly, but he's recovering here in Kitchener. Uh, I gave him a little update on our podcast. He seems to appreciate that we're still going on, but his good friend and colleague of many years, Dave Barker, is filling in for Stan. Uh, Dave, welcome to our podcast. It's great to be here. Thanks. Uh, Dave, I remember back in the day when you were my professor, uh, you did your very best to orient me to the Old Testament, taught me Hebrew, and uh, as all your students would say, you're very passionate about the Old Testament. So I thought it'd be good for us to visit that for a little bit. We've only got 15 minutes, so just cool it. Uh, 15 (laughs) minutes. And my question is this, um, and I'll just put it in a way that is vulgar. Um, What good is the Old Testament for a New Testament church, if that's even the correct term, but for a church that wants to continue in the in the tradition of the uh, doctrine of the apostles, Christ and the apostles, uh, the teachings of Paul, if you will, um, there just seems to be a priority on the New Testament, the teachings of the New Testament, and so how how interested should we be in the Old Testament, and how how would a church properly use the Old Testament or teach the Old Testament uh, in a way that would be respectful of its intent? So we want to talk a little bit about that. So how do you, what's your thoughts initially? Okay. Um, let, let me just start by saying this. Um, the Old Testament was the Bible of Jesus. Um, that's what he read in the synagogue that's what he grew up on that's what he understood himself as um, in his earthly ministry as the Old Testament spoke of of um, coming Messiah um, the other thing we need to understand is that the Bible wa- the Old Testament was the Bible of the first century church um, that's what they read and um, I think a crucial passage for us to understand is Paul's writing to Timothy where he says in his second letter, he says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know uh, those from whom you have learned it. And he's probably referring to his mother and his grandmother, probably to himself there. But then he says, And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, the sacred text, that's the Old Testament. Now, the New Testament was being written at this time. Uh, Second Timothy is probably fairly late, maybe late 60s. So some of the New Testament has already been written and starting to circulate. Uh, the canonization process is still underway. But then he, he says, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying that it is the Old Testament that helps us understand what it is to have faith in Jesus Christ. And in, through that faith in Jesus Christ, it's rooted in the Old Testament sacred scriptures. Then he says, all scripture, passe graphe. That's the Old Testament he's talking about. He's already talked about the Holy Scriptures. All Scripture, passe graphe, is God-breathed. Um, inspired is not really the right word. We can be inspired by a sunset or a, mm-hmm. or a mountainscape, mm-hmm. but, but um, 
No, it's God. All scripture is God breathed. It's referring to the Old Testament and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the child of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul certainly seems to have a place for the Old Testament in the life of the first century church. Well, that that should end the discussion. Uh, But we do have the New Testament, and it, it it seems to me that when Paul went about establishing the church, um, he didn't seem to make a big deal about the Old Testament, uh, or at least like some discipleship models are. They'll go right back to, the, to Genesis and work through the themes of salvation and do discipleship that way. It doesn't sound like that's what Paul was advocating in, in the way that he uh, wrote his epistles and talked about marriage and, and the church and different things like that. So, but what, what you're saying is absolutely true, uh, did did Paul weave into his um, precepts and the, his his teachings the Old Testament? Are we really reading the Old Testament when we are reading Paul without knowing it? Well, um, for sure, uh, Paul regularly quotes the Old Testament. Um, I find it fascinating that one of the strongest statements of our identity as Christ followers and as the church is that we are the seed of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And he makes a big point of the fact that we are the seed of Abraham. We have inherited the Abrahamic covenant. We are the, in many ways, you might call it rooted in Abraham and the covenants that follow. We are the new Israel. Mm -hmm. And so um, while he may not, weave it in the way that we try to tell the story through the through the old testament into the new uh he is deeply embedded in that story especially rooted in the in the abrahamic covenant we've talked about paul but you can't read very far in the book of hebrews without finding Mm -hmm. and hearing all kinds of references to melchizedek and various other realities that the old covenant versus the new covenant and moving to a a new place in a new jerusalem all that kind of thing that all is woven through uh, a beginning with an edenic uh paradise lost as it were and then eventually returning back to uh, a parent paradise regained so it's very much there i believe um in paul in hebrews the other the other place that i, th- I think the other person we need to talk about of course is jesus and uh, I was thinking about this just even just this morning. I was thinking about this. Um, I was talking to a friend who is who is preparing some sermons on the Beatitudes, and we were talking a bit on the phone this morning. And as I was working my way through in my mind the Beatitudes, every one of them are rooted for in in, in some kind of Old Testament context, and and it's clearly that Jesus steeped as he was in the old testament material Mm -hmm. was able to speak this ethic of the kingdom rooted in that old testament uh idea those old testament ideas so how would you assess the the state of the church today are we missing something Do, do we need to in our churches reckon with the old testament and find a way to include it in in our liturgy uh in our discipleship i mean you've been around long enough to know you've been a pastor how well are we doing 
in uh, utilized in the Old Testament? Well, um, I guess the quick and easy answer is not well. Um, it's interesting when you go to a liturgical church, more of a traditional mainline church, inevitably they have an Old Testament reading, a New Testament reading, and a gospel. Um, and some of the services I've attended in those kinds of churches just bring great joy to my heart as I read, as I hear those texts being read and uh, in, in the kind of the liturgy and in the calendar that, that they mm-hmm. follow. Um, I, I guess we, we, I could get specific about a few things, but um, I think one of the, and this may be a topic for another, for another time, but one of the great losses of the church in the use of the Old Testament is the use of the Psalms. Paul twice in the New Testament says that we are to sing to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. While his reference to psalms may not just be, in, uh, in just be the book of psalms, it certainly included the book of psalms. And l- I think we, it's fair to say that the book of psalms was in many ways the hymn book of, of the first century church. And our, uh, our loss of that material, of that book, in the life of the church, in my mind, is huge because of many factors. But the one is that we have lost the voice of lament. And, this, and the largest category of psalms in the book of Psalms are lament. And the church knew how to lament in the first century by using the book of Psalms. So what would that look like? Well, it's uh, okay. Let me give you an illustration. Um, friend of mine, former student, um, pastoring, kind of heard my plea on this one, and they have taken, they have taken on that they will read one psalm every Sunday, irrespective of what Sunday it is, irrespective of what psalm it is, and they will read one psalm every Sunday, so it's going to take three years to get through the book, 150 psalms, 52 weeks a year, and they, they are working there. And so just somewhere in the service, they read a psalm. And it may not be related to anything else that they're doing, but they hear that voice, whether it's lament, praise, trust, thanksgiving, but they hear that voice. Now, I don't know what they're going to do when they get to Psalm 119. Uh, it's going <laughs> to take a while to read that one. But I, I, I think there is one, that's one possibility of how it could be done. Another thing is, I, I think our, our, our musicians uh, who do such a great job for us, I th- there's a huge emphasis out there and impetus right now to put the psalms into music and to hear the psalms sung in more contemporary style. And I think there's a, there's a place where we can use some of that material in, a, in our church services. So your, your guy who reads psalms every week, like what if, what if you get to a, a, a really a dirge, a lament, you just kind of put that in the service and then you go on your merry way talking about happy, the joy of the Lord or whatever. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that just be a monkey wrench in the thing? Or would you build the whole service around lament? Well, I think if when you hit Psalm 88, which is the darkest Psalms in, in the whole thing, uh, you might not just want to parachute that in and leave it and run off. You might want to at least create some kind of intro and and exit out of that psalm before you move elsewhere where you're going in your in your service. So just to plop that in, yeah, it could be, a, as you say, a monkey wrench. 
But at the same time, to not hear that voice and to hear it in its power and poignancy is a huge loss to the church. Like the last line, darkness is my closest friend. Um, when, in, when in our tradi- traditional mm-hmm. ways of doing church do we find that line? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what he does when he hits Psalm 88 or Psalm 44 or Psalm 13, some of these difficult psalms. Uh, and I would think as a pastor, I would probably make some kind of transition out. I know I used Psalm 88 when I was pastoring in a very mm-hmm. dark moment in the mm-hmm. life of our church. And uh, it was very effective. And it worked well. We've uh, been making a big deal about coming out of exile and c- coming back to church, joyful. And one of our members said, what about the people uh, who have lost something in the, in the exile? Uh, it's like Christmas when you've lost a spouse. It's, it's not the same. And so this person said, can we gather people who just haven't been able, some people have lost loved ones and they haven't had a proper funeral. Right, and so the idea is that the church would hold a, sep- a special service and gather these people together and and lament and just mourn together and hopefully to be encouraged by by the promises mm-hmm. of Scripture. Have you heard of that being done? I uh, I don't know that I've heard of that specific thing, but I know that I have been part- I've participated in with funeral homes who have annually a mm-hmm. service for folks who have lost loved ones and they actually have a, they bring all those people together and they engage in kind so of So how a, good is that? It it was amazing. Tears. I know as a pastor that I was leading some of that, I was I was emotionally involved. Um, mm-hmm. connecting some of my own people were there, mm-hmm. connected with them, but inevitably every lament psalm ends with a voice of praise. And we left with a sense of completion mm-hmm. and a sense of, of um, ah, maybe resolution is the right word, but relief. Maybe so that's if, we, if we don't do this, give voice and expression to people who are dealing with that, is there, is there a consequence to, to neglecting that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, if, we, if the church doesn't allow this kind of voice to be expressed, it will be expressed. Mm-hmm. But why wouldn't it be best expressed in the context of the hope of the church? Amen. Well, so the Old Testament helps us with that. Mm-hmm. And it's a resource that God has given to us that uh, churches like ours need to revisit. And Dave, thank you for being that voice to us and for being a resource to churches uh, who want to teach the Psalms. I know you do that in another a number of churches. You've done it here. And uh, our listeners need to know that um, you'll pick up the phone if someone calls and uh, wants to talk to you about that. Absolutely. Well, we're out of time right now. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, continue to pray for Stan Fowler, but very grateful that uh, Dave Barker can join us. Until next time, God bless you. <laughs> 